Hi, and welcome to another podcast from The Human Diver, where we are looking to apply counter-errorism techniques in diving. By that we mean human factors and non-technical skills. Our goal is to give you the knowledge and skills so that your dives are safer and more enjoyable. The podcast is a mixture of short podcasts based on the blogs we have, and longer podcasts, which will be interviews or discussion topics. Show notes will be provided so you can dig deeper if you want. Ready to jump in? This week I saw an image of a Give Cyclists Space sign posted online. I thought it was humorous because of the contrast between the message displayed on the board and the marking on the ground which showed that the sign was positioned in the middle of a cycle lane. I shared it with a cycling group on Facebook I am part of and the majority of people made critical comments about the placement of the sign. After the post had been up for a couple of days, someone replied and said, I recognise that sign. It was in Geelong, Australia, and was placed on the road three weeks or so before the World Championships, and this was part of the route which the racing would take place. The idea was that it was there to inform the road users that when they see lots of cyclists on the road, please give them space. It did block part of the cycle lane, but that might be considered acceptable in the short term. An assumption on my part. Assumptions are part of normal life. We use them to reduce the amount of mental energy we use to make sense of the world around us. We collect data through our senses and we match that data against previous experiences so we have an idea of what might happen next and then act accordingly. In many cases, assumptions are essential to allow us to operate at the pace we do. We couldn't stop and validate everything we see, hear, feel, smell or taste because it would take us so long to do so. However, there are times we do need to check things. The obvious ones in diving would be the following because they help sustain life when we enter the water. We analyze the gases we breathe because we can't taste or smell the difference between different gas mixtures and they might be hypoxic or hyperoxic for the depths we are diving. We check gas pressures and the valves are open as part of a pre-dive check where the second stages are breathed and the SPG observed to make sure the pressure doesn't drop. We check that the PO2 in a CCR breathing loop can sustain life before we start breathing it. We check the buoyancy devices, dry suit and BCD wing are connected and gas can be injected. There are other assumptions we make but don't necessarily validate because they require effort and might not be socially acceptable. We judge how competent our new buddies are when we are on a dive trip and we use their certification card as a proxy for checking. We judge how good our equipment is, so we buy a well-known brand or from a reputable dive shop or instructor who makes a recommendation, not realizing they might be getting a big cut on the sale price. We judge how good an instructor is because they have a good social media following, but this isn't necessarily the case, but they are a name and influential in the community, moving to something that has been in the diving social media, the loss of the Carlton Queen liverboard in Egypt. Fortunately, no one died, but a number of the clients were stuck below deck as the water was rising, and one of them very nearly didn't make it out. There has been a fair amount of diving media coverage, some of it sensationalised and some of it retributive in nature because a full understanding of the wider system is not known and likely won't be for some time. The assumptions we make when we board a liverboard dive boat include how the crew look and what this means about their competence and their knowledge, the state of the equipment and furnishings which give an impression of fit for purposes and how much the company has invested in the vessel. If it looks good, it must be good, and the presence of safety equipment and the validity of safety checks give us an idea about what the crew will or might do if something goes wrong. There were many individual and systemic failures that led to the loss of this boat, 
some surrounding the crew, some surrounding the social and cultural environment, and some surrounding the legislature and regulations in Egypt concerning maritime safety. Having spoken to four of the survivors, there were many things done wrong following the event too, in terms of how the divers were treated. Some of them are struggling with serious psychological trauma, something that is rarely considered in the diving domain when something goes wrong. Fundamentally, we cannot check everything, although there is nothing to stop you from asking to see safety equipment or raising concerns at the time. So we use proxies, assumptions, where we substitute an easy assessment of the situation for a more difficult question or assessment. These assumptions and mental shortcuts are part of normal human behavior. There are hundreds of cognitive biases which show how we simplify the world we live in. There is a link to a useful infographic in the show notes which in itself has been simplified. Even though this is normal human behavior, we can shift this behavior from system one to system two once we realize that those assumptions take place and where we need to critically appraise the situation and validate those assumptions. Unfortunately, it normally takes a safe, scary moment to realize that the assumptions we've made in the past need to be checked. Those who have had a near miss, like being on a vessel where safety equipment was needed and it wasn't serviceable or effective, have had DCS or their buddy or team member has had DCS, have had to rescue someone, been entangled in fishing line or netting and needed to cut yourself free, or encountering any of the other hazards we face while diving means they will have a different perspective on risks and hazards. They see things that others don't because they know the consequences of not validating an assumption. This doesn't mean they are paranoid, it just means they have a different perspective concerning uncertainty or risk and they want to increase the certainty surrounding the situation so that when, not if, the proverbial hits the fan, they are better prepared. The problem is that unless there is a significant emotional significance to the event, it is not likely to stick with you and over time it will be dismissed. This is why the telling of context-rich stories with a learning perspective is so important. The environment must support that telling, i.e. psychological safety and a just culture. The criminalization of human error does not help to learn. While punishment can meet a societal need or expectation for retribution, punishing people rarely change behaviors if the surrounding social, cultural, economic, regulatory, and legislative environments don't change. The approach needs to be restorative in nature, not retributive. Summary. Assumptions are normal. When they are made and we have a good outcome, we don't think about them unless you are self-aware of this topic. But when we have a bad outcome, we notice all the assumptions that were made that were flawed. This is the paradox. We think that assumptions are bad, hence the phrase assumptions make an ass out of you and me. But they are also essential for modern life. The skill is knowing which assumptions you can afford to make and getting away with it because it is good enough and those which must be validated because there is no way of undoing the actions once the situation starts to develop. If you don't have an undo button, validate it. A final point on assumptions and the second guessing that can happen following an adverse event, where you engage counterfactuals, should have, could have, would have, about what you could have done differently to prevent this. Ask yourself the question, if you were in a similar situation and you didn't have the adverse outcome, would you have done anything differently in that case? If not, then how would you have known to do something differently at the time when you did have an adverse event? With hindsight, we can join the dots. In real time, we use assumptions to make an educated guess about what might happen in the future. This is why debriefs and the sharing of stories are essential. They can help develop foresight from others' experiences without us having to go through the trauma and anguish ourselves. Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you'd like to know more about what was discussed in this episode, 
head over to the Human Diver website at thehumandiver.com where you will find details about our education programs, the If Only documentary, the book Under Pressure, and the many, many blogs we have published there. If you think others should listen and learn, consider sharing the link. Thank you.